Welcome to the Healing Us podcast, your guide to unlocking the strength within. Are you ready to embark on a journey towards healing and well-being? The ultimate destination for mental health and addiction recovery awaits. We're talking stories of hope, different approaches to healing, and so much more. At Healing Us, we believe in the power of a connected community. Our facilities are located throughout New Jersey and Southwest Florida. We provide a long-term safe haven for anyone looking to achieve lifelong happiness. We invite you to join us, along with countless others, as we explore this journey together. Together, we can overcome any challenges and embrace a future filled with healing, hope, and happiness. Join us. We are joined here today by Christine and Stephanie Sicconi. Um, They're a family that has uh, dealt with addiction in many different ways, different mental health issues, and they're here today to share um, their experience with their sister and their daughter, uh, Kim, who's very involved. She's on a previous episode. Um, And we're just going to hear from the mother's perspective, touch on the sibling's perspective, which I think gets lost a lot in in the story of addiction. Um, And and yeah, that's thank you for coming on. Welcome. Welcome to the show. We're happy to be here. Yeah. Um, awesome. So, you know, I want to kick off a little bit, Stephanie, with you, if, if that's okay. Yeah, of course. Um, you know, your sister had a journey. You're both, talk to me a little bit about, you're both adopted at a young age. Um, it's just two of you? Just the two of them. Just two of you. So, uh, two young girls. Uh, what's the age difference? Uh, we're about three years apart. Three years apart. Okay. So, uh, me and my brother are also four years. No, we're three years apart as well. So I can, you know, relate. You kind of grow up going to school together. That's your sibling. It's your best friend mm-hmm. built in automatically. So when when they go, you know, I find in family dynamics what we've seen, I'm sure Christine also runs uh, the family group at CFC. So I'm sure you can kind of touch on this. A lot of times families, parents have, you know, both sons are addicted or both daughters are addicted or all three kids are struggling. And in a lot of family dynamics, they kind of bring each other down and it's really hard to get the whole family well again in other dynamics which is you know something that I experienced my brother struggled with his addiction and I became the opposite I became the overachiever which is a lot of family dynamics as well um so kind of what was your experience as a sibling and where were you at going when Kim was going through her addiction it's you hit the nail on the head when you said overachiever so I through my whole life I struggled with anxiety myself Um, but I was always pushed to be the best version of myself because of my parents. So I did what I thought somebody was supposed to do, go to college, get married, right? Turned out that my first marriage did not work out. I had a hard time going through that. My anxiety got the best of me, wound up in a divorce, um, and started me on my journey of building myself and making myself a better person in the meantime of doing that I my sister fell to addiction and it was hard for me to watch and I wanted to help her the best that I could I didn't really know how and I knew that my parents all of their attention was on her as it should be Mm -hmm. as it 100% should be so I was the child that was how I like to say it just okay Mm -hmm. how Stephanie she's okay how is she doing in school? She's fine. She's good. Yeah. No problems are good problems. Right. Right. And and I was going through life just doing the best that I could so that they didn't have to worry about me. 100% nailed it. I'm sure there are siblings listening right now that are like, 
whoa, that's me, help. Because it's that's your best friends. It's so hard to see them struggling, but you're also so mad because you're like, hold on, mom and dad were great, or maybe they weren't great, but now like you're getting all this attention. I'm doing all the right stuff. It is so yeah. hard. It's so hard. It's so hard. Yeah. And you know, you I worked to like push myself in school, in my job, just so I can be you know, the daughter that I thought that they would be really proud of. Right. Because, again, like I said, I was doing it just so they didn't have to worry about me because I, I knew and I wanted all their attention to be on my sister because that's life or death. Right. Right. You now, and all I wanted was for her to be okay. And then I didn't know how to help. Yeah. You know, it's a, it's a, so important because it ends up catching up with you, though. And I can relate to this greatly. Like, and then Christine, I want you to jump in where you feel comfortable as well, because you had both to carry at that time, right? Both daughters. You had to share enough love with Stephanie to let her know that she was doing a good job. But Kim was your main focus at that time. Um, and I know that my mom did her best, you know, trying to chase Dan around California and pay attention to me. But at the same time, what happens is you become an overachiever and the anxiety of that as you grow into adulthood is really extreme. Yeah. 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 I've, I mean, you can ask my mom, I keep going back to school even now and nobody's putting pressure on me. I'm doing it myself. Mm -hmm. Like the amount of degrees that I have is like, because I keep pushing myself to try to be the best version of myself. Mm -hmm. This goes back a, a long way because Kim was born with carpal and palate. Mm -hmm. So when we adopted her, we really didn't know what we were in for, but we had an idea. Mm -hmm. And it began immediately. So I got her three weeks old. By four weeks, we were already in the hospital for our first surgery. And, you know, when you first have your first child, you have so much love for that child that you almost think to yourself as a parent, how am I going to find enough love for my second child? I have given all my love to this one child. Mm -hmm. Second child comes and you have equally as much love for that child as you had for the first, but you didn't realize it at first. But... My real problem with it was, if I think back to that time, every time Kim had a surgery, I can't tell you where she was. Right. Now, do I know that she was well taken care of? Absolutely. But because my focus from a very young age had to go on to Kimberly, mm -hmm. and she was good, thank God, it made life a lot easier to be able to put my focus where it needed to be. Some surgeries were really hard. We were in there full for a week and we came home and we had weeks and months of recovery. So it made the journey for her a lot different mm -hmm. having a sibling right from the onset that required parents' attention. It just is what it is, right? So did she become stronger? Yes, because of it, absolutely. But if I can think back, she dealt with anxiety from a very young age. Before I even realized she had anxiety, the teachers were telling me that she suffered from anxiety. Mm -hmm. But I never really saw it. So it was like... And I think when we talk about a sibling having an addiction journey, we could relate that to a sibling being sick. You know, it doesn't even have to be addiction related. I think it, to your point, it started so long ago when Kim was in the hospital and Stephanie, you were dealing with trying to not give your parents anything else to worry about. Right. Which, caught, think about the anxiety that puts on a, on a kid. Unintentionally. Right. You know? And it's it was no nothing, honestly, as a parent, you look back and you say, well, there's nothing really you could have done about it differently. It had to be as it was. Mm -hmm. 
And today we will stand here stronger yep. because of it. A hundred percent. Right. I wouldn't change the journey mm-hmm. any other way, even all the way. And this is, sounds crazy to say, but even all the way through the addiction. Mm-hmm. I mean, all of these things have happened for a reason. Mm-hmm. And if you really believe that life doesn't give you what you can handle, then you can get through what you need to get through, stand strong, somehow deal with it, yet on the other side. And I mean, I'm grateful to be able to look back at what the other side looks like and say, Kim's a better person yeah. because of it. Stephanie is a better person because of it. I'm a better person because of it. My husband's a better person because of it. And our relationship as a family is right. better because of it. Well, because it also rips open the elephant in the room, right? A lot of families never talk about any of their issues. Whereas when you're forced with to go through addiction or you're forced to go through things, like you have to, you don't have a choice. And that's why our original logo was an elephant, right? Because we ripped open that awkward silence of of family dynamics um and and obviously christine you know as a parent you've gone through so much just from their early early years and what raising that you know you know two sisters looked like and then obviously you were thrown another curveball um but you were able to still keep composure and kind of guide kim towards those resources and things like that and it didn't always look like composure i mean the the honest truth of it is i think the the reason why i can facilitate the family group meeting is because no matter who is there no matter who's speaking no matter who's sharing we've all been there we've all said it we know exactly how each other is feeling remember we had the sibling meeting mm-hmm. and stephanie was on the panel and I'm sitting there, her, her mom and dad are sitting there, and I said, I want you to talk, but I want you to talk about what you need to talk about. Don't worry that we're here. Don't worry about what you're saying. Don't worry that it's going to upset us or offend us in any way, shape, or form. And I think prior to that, there would have never been a forum where you would have felt comfortable no. yeah, and then not get any repercussion from it. Well, I think right. to talk about, you know, your situation, Stephanie, and like when I talk about my side of the story what i've struggled with as a sibling it's not a blame thing it's a situational thing yes it's it's like this was our family this is what happened this is where i ended up it's not like i'm like dan you're the reason i i struggled with perfectionism or anxiety in my later 20s right it has it's it's just all situational so how do you feel you know talking to other siblings like what what is something you would say to a sibling that's kind of going through that that's like they're they're brother or sister's inactive addiction like what how would you you know be on if you're on the panel right now what are you what are you saying number one that you are not alone you are not invisible your parents see you they know that you're there and just be the support that you need to be for your family so in my mind I try to be like my parents rock mm-hmm. by trying to be strong and that's for me that's how i thought i helped with the situation so that's what i had to do and i just had to they needed me i i was there yeah so just know that you're not invisible even if sometimes it might feel that way yeah that's such a great uh, such a great thing to say and it's so hard because when you talk about like your parents like my mom never made me feel invisible no never. it's not like it's something they did but it's just a natural reaction when part of you your sibling is going through that you something that's like her death yeah you know like she had to give her all her attention so there's no blame so not any in any way shape or form 
it's also hard, I think, to watch your parent, depending on how old you are when your sibling's experiencing this. Like for me, for example, I was uh, freshly off to college. I was 18, just moved down. I was first time away from home. You know, Dan's in active addiction, really, really bad. And my parents are barely there. I'm trying to get straight A's. I remember I came home my first spring break that March, and that was his final run, his final hurrah, if you will. Um, and I just saw my mom cry like you never want to see a parent cry because we we didn't know if he was alive. We didn't know where he was. And she like just my entire spring break, I just held my mom while she cried. Yeah. And that was something like I was 18 and it's like I was, you know, you have to be that rock because that's your role at that time. But as like an 18 year old, you're like, geez, like I'm not that this is too heavy for it's right. too soon, you know, um, and you don't realize that you carry that into adulthood yeah and a part of me too I was kind of mad at my sister because I saw what it did to my parents Mm -hmm. and our family and of course we've grown and we've gotten better and we move forward and but sometimes you know a part of it that I think people don't talk about is the anger Mm -hmm. because it's it was there yeah you know um and I was scared of course I was scared I was going to lose her but you're mad yeah, yeah, and I think people don't say it because they're afraid to, but I, I think that a part of it is madness, sadness, anxiety. Like, there's a whole bunch of things that you're trying to deal with. I think the only thing that honestly chain- makes that better is time, especially when you're your sibling. Time and education, because you're so angry. I remember when Dan first came home, he said, "I'm saying sorry is not going to make you like feel better Mm -hmm. I can prove like I'm sorry through my actions that's what I'm gonna do and he did and he's you know I think 13 years sober thank god I always say you know I got lucky like we got lucky got lucky and we know a lot of siblings closely you know I know we have a mutual friend um who weren't so lucky and they that's transformed their life on the other side you know um so I you know I'd love to kind of hear where we want to take this next because there's a lot we could dive into um you know what would you what do you think is like the best support you can give your sibling like with boundaries or uh you know just showing them that like you you still love them you care but you want them um in our family with kim we needed boundaries mm-hmm. and it was very hard for me but i knew that to show her that i loved her i had to put up a boundary and that's what we did that's what our whole family did. i think yeah i think it's the parent i knew at the end of the day no matter how this turned out whether the outcome was good or bad that that i wanted to take that role and that responsibility from everyone so i made it very clear to everyone that again there's, there's no one size fits all but for us um i wanted it to be that we were going to have to make this decision for the family and this is what we needed to do because at the end of the day it was going to be our decisions mm-hmm. if she didn't make it mm-hmm. or our decisions if she did make it that would have been great but that it, uh, everything she did was everything kim did she was the one who did it mm-hmm. right and and the background as a parent you're just setting these boundaries hoping that one of them sticks and it's not in an, it's in an effort to bring, Lynn says this all the time, not that you want them to hit rock bottom, but you want to bring the bottom up to them. Mm-hmm. So every boundary we set was in an effort, hopefully, we had no idea if it was going to work, mm-hmm. but to bring the bottom up. Mm-hmm. 
And so that's what we worked on together as a family. But sometimes it took phone calls mm -hmm. from family to family member to family member to family member. And I remember doing that one day. And when I spoke to one family member, the response was, I don't think I can do that. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, if you can't do it and you think that you have a better way to do it mm -hmm. and my daughter dies because of it, I'm going to come after you and I hold you responsible. Because that's how it really felt yeah. to us. So, you know, we did set boundaries as a family. We tried to stick as a family. And I think that helped because when Kim thought about it, she knew if I said the whole family is going to be on this page, we were. she knew that that was going to happen. And that's, it's so important because the minute that I think people stop taking advantage, like setting a boundary and then being serious about it is completely different than setting a boundary and then letting the person get away with it. Because the minute you do that, they know that they could just break every boundary you set. So I think that's like such a great lesson. <laughs> I took that boundary from when you were a kid and we were driving in the car and I had a tape that I did all the singing in. Oh, I remember that. Oh, yeah. They both remember it. <laughs> and I did all the singing and I had the tape in the tape recorder and they were fighting. And I said, I'm going to throw this tape out the window if the two of you don't stop. And I think I counted to three. We stopped. No, you didn't stop. And <laughs> you threw it out. The tape went right out the window. <laughs> and that and that proved the point from day one that if I said it, I meant it and it was going to happen. So my mom, she she had some funny lessons when we were little. One rule was we could fight as much as we want, but we have to hold hands while we fight. And I don't know if you've ever tried to fight with somebody and hold their hand. It's impossible. You that's, can't do it. That's, that's, you can't do it. You'll be screaming and then you start laughing. So that was the best one. And then she had a she bought one of those like life size teddy bears because we used to always fight over shotgun. And the teddy bear was named Shotgun. And, like, we all were beat. Like, the minute Shotgun was in the car, we had to shut up. So, and she would just put him in the front seat, and she'd ride with the teddy bear next to her. Um, but it's so funny, because you do, those lessons make a big deal. They make a big impact as kids get older. You know, if if, if somebody asks for an iPad, and then they get it right away, what's, what's it going to be like later when there's mm -hmm. bigger problems? Right. So, after Kim had obviously been through her journey, you saw her at a really dark point, kind of found some great resources, guided her in that direction. What have you, you know, how have you kind of measured where she's at or, you know, adjusted, made sure she's staying on the right track? Um, you know, where where are you at today now that she's got a couple of years under her? You know, how do you kind of manage that? I know for Kim, it's doing what she loves. So if I see her drawing, if I see her being social and being with her friends and dressing she's our fashionista you know wearing her cute little outfits doing her hair her makeup i know that she's in a good spot going to the gym mm -hmm. so doing what she loves and being her funny goofy self i know that she's on the right track and i love seeing it, it makes me so happy it's a hard question for me um i think it's because with addiction i just put myself in the uh, food addiction so if someone's really watching me and, and micromanaging how I'm doing, it's probably gonna make me worse. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if I choose to eat the French fries and everybody's eyes are on me while we're sitting at the diner, um, it's not gonna sit well with me. So I really think that I leave that portion up to Kim at this point. Mm -hmm. Trust. I've gotten, certainly I've gotten to the point that I trust what she's doing I trust where she's at. I don't have a reason to be concerned. Um, and if I do have a reason to be concerned, we've gotten to the point now that we I will just come to her and say, I need to talk to you. 
and this is what I want to talk about. And it, it doesn't even have to be about, it's not about addiction. It's not about we're going to go to a party and there's going to be alcohol there. How are you going to handle that? I'm comfortable with all of that. But if I see something that triggers a, triggers a negative response in me, so it's not really something she's doing that she's doing wrong, but it has a negative effect on me mm-hmm. because it's my trigger. Right. I'll talk to her about it and then we'll talk through it in a way that we've never been able to before. And because of that, I leave this journey now up to her. Mm-hmm. And I trust that she can do it because I've also learned there's nothing I can do to stop it if it's going to happen. There's nothing I can do to control it. And controlling is one of my biggest issues in life. So I need to learn to pull that in. It's not easy, but that that's where I really want to be at. And, and yet, you trust that she's going to make the right choices. I mean, yeah. I need to believe that she, this is her life. Mm-hmm. She's going to make the choices that make her happy. And it's not it's not my journey. It's not my journey. Her life her life is not my journey. How to be there to support it? Mm-hmm. But how, how important was, you know, aftercare and Kim's journey and, and peer support and, um, you know, finding kind of roots at CFC? I can say it was everything that changed for her, becoming house manager, like Frank spoke about. Um, she was, I think, house manager. She was in that sober living for 18 months. It gave her everything she needed to get to where she needed to be. She made decisions after that to leave. I didn't support it verbally. I I supported it verbally. I didn't support it in my heart, but I gave her the support that she needed. She did what she wanted to do. In two weeks, she realized it wasn't what she wanted to do. She said, I'm coming home. I'm I'm there for her. CFC was there for her. They offered her a position straight on from coming back. It's been everything to this journey. I'm so grateful that I found CFC. After I found out that she was addicted, I was at CFC three days later begging for help. They helped me immediately to get her help. And they've been there every step of the way for us. And everything that Lynn said, I held on to because I wanted the same success Lynn had with Dan. And, uh, and now you're leading parent groups, so you've, you're influencing a lot of other families. You're passing that that message, which is amazing. I, you know, we try, mm-hmm. we try to. It's it's. I've learned too that in that in that particular group, there isn't a one size fits all. Mm-hmm. Everybody has to go through their journey the way they see fit, and it doesn't look the same for everyone. It doesn't. And and Stephanie, having watched Kim now, I'm sure even though she was you know sober at another point in her life. She's probably a much more blossomed, independent, strong individual having found recovery. How have you, you know, in her journey and coincided with her journey, helped yourself and what you struggled with? Just by seeing her grow and be successful and happy and her creative self has made me feel like everything, like my mom said before, everything we went through as a family made us who we are today. And we are such a stronger unit because of it. Awesome. Thank you guys so much. Thank you for coming in. Um, That was awesome. Everybody was so good.